Time now for sports on 104.7 The Cave. Here's Ned Reynolds. Mike the intern, Ned Reynolds, in the studio on a Thursday morning. So they have a term for the uh, first Monday after the regular season. They call it Black Monday. And there were the usual suspects as far as head coaches across the NFL. Before we talk about that, though, Nick Saban, he done. That is a seismic event in the world of sports. Yep. I don't. Uh, I would think that maybe the younger fans don't realize this, but us older ones do. Hey, this is one of the. This may be, and this sounds like a little bit of hyperbole, but he may be the greatest coach of the century. Now that's the 21st century. And remember, now that's where we are. This is 2024, and in that time period, this guy has ruled the uh, the whole realm of college football. Seven national championships, six at Alabama, one at LSU. The only first, and to my knowledge, the only coach ever to win two national championships at two different schools in Division One. The guy is a master. You may not like him. He may be a little bit taciturn and all that. But what does concern me is that uh, Mike, just the other day, and I say just the other day of last year, he signed a new contract with Alabama that was a 10 years duration at something like $10 million a year. His salary this year was $11 million a year. Now that's fine, he doesn't have any money problems, but all of a sudden he resigns and this came with absolutely no hint at all. I follow this subject pretty closely, read a lot of the journals, nothing from Tuscaloosa, nothing from the SEC, nothing nationally, and then all of a sudden he resigns. He cited when he told the Alabama officials and the team, he cited fatigue, that's perfectly understandable, heck he's 72 years old, and number two, health reasons. Now, you're not under the rules. You're not allowed to elaborate. And, you know, that's protocol. You just do not ask somebody unless that person wants to continue. And he did not. That bothers me a little bit. But again, he he knows that it's time to step down. And whomever gets that job is in for a ton of pressure. Can you imagine this now? This guy's won 11 Southeastern Conference championships. He's won seven national championships, all within the realm of he's 2007 to 2023. That's his coaching realm at Alabama. And he was a national coach of the year and a national champion at LSU in the SEC. Also coached with the Miami Dolphins for a brief time. He coached Michigan State for a brief time. He's had other coaching jobs. But this one is the one that boosted him into that realm of all-time greats. And that's what he was, his Alabama team this year could very well have played for the national championship. Might might have played for it. I think the Alabama-Michigan game was a lot better and a lot more impacting than the national championship game with Michigan-Washington. But over and above all of that, here is Nick Saban suddenly turning the realm of Alabama football. And he didn't start it. It goes way back into the 1920s uh, as a national power turning that over to somebody else, whomever that might be, and there is speculation as to whom might be coming in to take over that job, is going to be in for an awful lot because an awful lot of (laughs) expectations and pressure and so forth and so on. I just hope the best for Nick Saban. He's been up here. He's been in this area. He spoke at the Boys and Girls Club Steak and Steak Dinner several years ago. He, he does have some knowledge of what's going on, but the fact of the matter remains he is not going to be coaching next year, nor at least for the foreseeable future, and maybe never again. Feel sad for the guy who's going to have to fill in those shoes, but uh, yeah, so after him, Pete Carroll, 
is moving into a advisory role for the Seahawks, uh, Titans, Rabel's gone, which that one was kind of, uh, and well, then I was so, reading. So is Pete Carroll. That's yeah, a surprise. I, I have also read reports that if Sirianni doesn't pull this win out, he might be gone. I don't though. think that's fair to do on Sirianni's part because after all, he was a Super Bowl coach last year. Now his team, they're in the playoffs, and they were 10-1 and one at one time this year, but something has happened to that ball club, and uh, having some association with the Sirianni in-laws, they, they don't know what it is either. I'm not sure Coach Sirianni knows what happened. But there's been injury problems. There are injury problems with every team. And it's not over yet. They played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday night. Well, we'll see what happens. It, it, it does have, I, I just can't believe they'd make a And if they would, I mean, to do that, yeah. Like well, that, and, and, then, and then what does that tell all the other potential coaches? Like, wait a minute. You're going to fire a guy after, what, three years and he got you to a Super Bowl? I don't think I want that club. No way. Um, But now, what? and and that was another thing because after you look at Saban's tenure and you look at Pete Carroll's tenure and who's got the most tenure and what league, it just blows me away that Coach Reed's been with the Chiefs for 11 years. But it's been a great 11 years, and that continues Saturday night when the temperature high is 11 degrees in Kansas City. And the question was asked for, uh, to me the other day, well, how do you prepare for that? And I said, you don't prepare for it. I had the great, don't misunderstand, displeasure. But this is 800 years ago when I was in the Navy. My my boot camp and training days, a full year at the Great Lakes Naval Training Center, oh. north of Chicago, oh, on man. Lake Michigan. Bro. That's why it's there. It's Lake Michigan. You have the aqua conditions and so forth. That's as cold as I've ever been in my life. That was just brutally cold. And back then, Mike, we had these great big heavy and great woolen pea coats. You had the the all-weather stocking caps that you wore, and it was still cold. Now, these football players on Saturday night, or it's going to be, what, about five or six degrees, somewhere around there when they kick it off, and the wind chill probably below zero, you're going to be there. You have to, you just have to, cover every exposed part of your body, and that includes the face. It'll have face masks on and so forth, and it still will be very cold for them. Yeah, and there's no relief, but they did say yesterday they will allow cardboard this time. Because Christmas, they were not allowing people with cardboard. You know, what, is, what do you mean cardboard? What is that? Well, look, as like someone, who, as someone who, has, <laughs> who has been very familiar with going to playoff games in the Kansas City area for the last several years when it's very, very cold, ice and snow, the trick is to either bring cardboard or scraps of carpet, put them down yeah, where you stand, okay. and so that separates you because that, that concrete is like a heat sink. So when it's zero degrees, you're just putting your, I don't care how thick your boots are, you can go right through you. So bring, 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 bring cardboard. I will tell you a personal experience too along those lines. When we were doing Bears basketball, and we did it for, oh gosh, 15, 17 years on TV, there were two arenas that we played in that had ice. They also hosted ice hockey teams. One is the Enterprise Center in St. Louis, the other Peoria, and then more recently Ford uh, Arena in Evansville, Indiana. They all had ice surfaces. They cover up that ice. You think that stopped the cold? No, sir. Hell no. Nope. You'd sit there on price row, and pretty soon your feet are numb. No, yeah, that's absolutely right. I'm glad to hear that. Carpet and cardboard. Carpet, cardboard, and they are letting it in. Ned. So tell me about the Bears. Have they got out of that slump yet or what? Not only that, they played even worse, and that's hard to believe. Bears played Murray State. 
Now, let me rephrase that a little bit. Final scores, Murray State 77, Bears 53, and this is on the Bears' home court. That just doesn't happen. How did it happen? First half of the game, first 10 minutes, very competitive. The Bears were shooting well from the perimeter. They ended up the game with eight trays, and that, that's pretty good. That's within their average. But, oh, my, the points in the paint where the Bears in past years, past games this year, have excelled and dominated. They were outscored 42-22 to 22 by Murray State. Points in the paint. And where did it all end? About midway through the first half, the Murray State Racers folks went on a 30-3. to 30-3 sprint. At halftime, led 42-19 to 19 over the Bears. You can just see the fans shaking their heads. What on earth is wrong? And uh, I don't know, I'm not the coach or anything of that nature. I'm a media observer and an observer like everyone else. But they appeared to lose their confidence when uh, when Murray State started to run with the ball, and they did. My goodness sake, their fast break points, they were way out in front of the Bears. Did e- uh, out-rebound the Bears to some extent, but a lot of that is skewed by the second half when it was kind of a, <laughs> a run-and-gun slugfest and the Bears couldn't catch up. It, it just simply was not, it, there was a disunity on the court, and I don't like that, and I'm sure Coach Ford does not like it either. And I don't know what to do about it. Now, there was a key individual missing, but it isn't about one player. Damian Mayo, who is from Link Academy, kid from St. Louis, a very good defensive player. He didn't play. He's under concussion protocol. And there were some other individuals who just did not contribute to the way they have. But this is a good shooting team. And yet, you didn't see it last night. They did shoot 34% for the game, which is really very much under their under their guise, so to speak, and dominated underneath as well by Murray State. Um, it's a big disappointment. I know the Bears are very, very down over this. They have to be, and so are the fans. Ever since that game out at St. Mary's in California, this Missouri State team has not played very well. You think They're, they were looking ahead? No, no, it's it's very difficult because there was a stretch, maybe a week, week and a half, in which they were gone for vacation and so forth and so on. But to, to come back with this kind of disunity, I think they've lost their confidence. That's the what it looks like to me, and how you regain that. Well, that takes a lot of a lot of cajoling, a lot of psychology. We'll see what happens. But the Bears they have a long way still to go. But right now. They are not playing good basketball. A lot of practice on the court as well. Uh, there's actually a pro golf tournament this week. Uh-huh. This is the second one. Uh, they're in Hawaii. The pro golf, uh, to start the year, PGA likes to take their players to Hawaii. And who can blame them? I'd like to go <laughs> to Yeah, take me with you. <laughs> the first one was last week, the Century, and that was on the island of Maui. And Chris Kirk won that one. But that is by invitation only. That's to the winners of PGA events during the past year. This one that opens up now is the Sony Open, and it's on in Honolulu at the Wailai Country Club, which is a beautiful, beautiful layout. And this is every pro. Everybody who wants to enter can do it. So they will, and this is where many of the others will come to the fore. But this is the uh, Hawaii Open. Well, it's the, the Sony Open. They go by the corporate name, but it's the second of the two in Hawaii. Then they come over to the United States and tour on the West Coast. And sometimes weather conditions there can be a little dicey, as I think we're seeing right now. We are. (laughs) Um, You know, I was talking to uh, some fans uh, recently about this uh, Saturday Night Wild Card game in Kansas City, and 
came across to me that a lot of Dolphins fans are complaining that, oh, player safety, it's too cold outside. And I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You guys are cool with the player visiting teams visiting Miami with oxygen tanks and possibly getting heat stroke. That's not a problem. But when you got to play in the cold, eh. and I said in my responses, they should be training like Rocky Four out in the forest somewhere, fly them all to Alaska and play on a field up there because that's the only way they're going to get that through That is it. not a legitimate excuse. No. It happens. It has happened in the past. Miami's played in the past up in New England when it's been snowing and bitterly cold and all that. It's, it's, it's not new, but I will tell you, it is a shock to the system. When you get that cold, you're down around zero, and hey, you, everybody remembers the ice bowl game, which was the end of the Christmas Actually, at the juncture of the Christmas, New Year's holiday in 1967 when the Dallas Cowboys played the Green Bay Packers. It was well below zero when they played that game, and it was a dandy, good football game. I had a player tell me just recently this week that when you're out on the field playing in the game and you're actually playing in it and competing, you don't really notice it all that much. But when you're standing around, you do notice it. And that can be a very big detriment both physically and psychologically. Yep. And hopefully the Chiefs will use that to their advantage while we're all screaming our heads off underneath a bunch of blankets and jackets. Ned, you have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow.